Deaconess Rita, Pastor Dele don't know what I'm going to be speaking about today. Only me and my father know it. But they have said things and encouraged you that line up with what I have to say today. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, you know, when God speaks, you know. You know when God speaks. And I am in awe of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, I, I have stood here before and uh, given the word. But today I come, you know, I'm shaking. And I'm shaking not because I don't know what I've put down, but I'm shaking because in a sense, I feel that the Father has something for someone today. Something that will touch your spirit such that you will know that he is with you. I think I'm one of the oldest ones in this place, so I can say I have lived many years. I have lived many years and the gray hairs have been dyed and therefore you cannot see them. But I know how far my father has brought me in this life. And how far he has walked with me, even in the darkest hours of my life. I know where my father has taken me and brought me through. Today I, I bring a personal message. And sometimes I will speak of my personal experiences only because that's the only way I know I can impact on you the greatness of our God. And some of you might find things that I might say strange. I'm talking to my father and I'm saying, Lord, if you permit me, I'll say it. If not, I will take it home with me. But let us start. Still your hearts, my friends. Let everything else be empty. Still your hearts. Forget what is cooking at home, what you have to do, what shopping you have to do. Let's eat with him. Let's dine with him. Not me, Adiza. I am just the vessel. Let us dine with him. We came here, some of you that have switched on online, you've taken the time out. Let it not be wasted. Hear from the king. I start by saying, who is God? Big question. My Bible tells me in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does, that cannot overcome it. The psalmist says in Psalm 8, verse 3, When I look at the heavens, the works of his hands, the moon, the stars, this, which he has arranged, what draws us to El Shaddai, the almighty God, Yahweh, Jehovah? To understand God, if that is even possible, we must understand his nature. 
He is a creator, mighty and strong. Elohim is his name. He created the universe and humanity. Genesis 1 verse 1 reads, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was with a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. Let me go to it. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. While a wind from the, of God swept over the face of the waters, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And that is how creation started. We go to verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and all the wild animals of the earth. And then man came into being. The Old Testament we see the nature of God as a provider. Jehovah Jireh is his name. We see him as a God of peace. Jehovah Shalom is his name. We see him as a protector. Jehovah Rohai is his name. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Colossians 1 verse 17 shows us as God continuing to be actively sustaining the world. Let us read. He says, it, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He continues in this life of ours. He disciples us, Hebrews 12 says, the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastises everyone he accepts as his son. God is a healer. Jehovah Raha is his name. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, by his stripes we are healed. We are healed is in the past tense meaning that our healing has been fully secured on the cross by Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. God is love. Our word tells us in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, that is a brief, simple synopsis of who God is and his nature. I started my best message on this basis to draw a picture in your mind's eye of the greatness of God, the God you serve, the one who has brought you into fellowship. And now I ask the question, does anyone care? I believe this is a question that each and every one of us have asked ourselves at one point in our life. Someone here might even be asking that question now. 
We usually ask the questions when we don't even know what the next turn should be. The, what we are say, say, facing in life is so painful. And we are drawn to a place where we sit. Some of us even go on our knees and cry and say, does anyone care? Can anyone hear me? You may be married, but sometimes your, your, your partner isn't even, even there for you, if you are honest. You may be in a crowded room with all your friends laughing, but within you, you are broken. And you are saying, does anyone care? Can anyone hear within me what I feel? But you can't open your mouth to tell them, you know, I'm in pain because all you see is smiling faces before you. Or the pain you are going through, you cannot share because it's something that is, is between you private. And you feel if you share it, what will that person think of you? So you sit there and you say, does anyone, anyone care? Who can hear me? Who can hear me? You can, you know, you can have all the money in the world, but sometimes even money cannot calm that broken heart that is sitting there saying, does anyone care? For some, when they ask this question, you know, unfortunately, death beckons on them because they see no way out. They are in darkness. Does El Shaddai, the Almighty God, Jehovah Jireh, the provider, the lover of my soul, the creator, the one who, who molded me care? Let's read Matthew chapter 26 verses 36 to 46. Friends, I'm taking you through my experience in life and how my father has given me the strength to have my emotions most of the time steady. I have come from a place before the steadiness to go into pits and troughs where in one minute I'm the happiest person under the sun and the next minute I am in a trough and I'm asking this question, does anyone care? And sometimes, my friend, in those times, I stayed in the trough for a long, long time. Because I had not come to the place where I will teach you today. When I say I will teach you, please open your spirit to hear what the Father is saying to you. Because that's the only way I learned what he was saying to me that has brought me to a place now that even though I see things that cause me to say, does anyone care? I have an answer that anchors me back to where I should be. Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46. This is Jesus in Gethsemane. Then Jesus went to them, with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here a while 
I go over there to pray. He took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee and began to grieve and agitate. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray with me. Stay awake and pray that you may not come into times of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he, he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Friends, remember, Jesus was man just like you and I at this time. He was man for 33 years as he walked this earth. Of, in all accounts, I would say in Gethsemane at this time, he was all alone, even though he had the disciples with him. I brought this passage to you and I ask you, does anyone find themselves in a situation where they are all alone? You're trying to draw someone's attention, but it's not coming. Jesus had taken the disciples with him to give him support, to encourage him and to pray. All the right steps that we have been taught in Christendom to do. Get prayer warriors around you. Pray. Yet as we see, the very people that he took with him fell asleep. Jesus had to deal with his own problem by himself. Friends, I have pondered many a time and asked myself, where did Jesus the man get his strength to go with such courage to the cross? We read Jesus going through pains of his situation. He agonized in Gethsemane. He sweat blood. He went down to the disciples three times to solicit help. You would have thought that with the physical reactions Jesus was having from what we read, sweating, blood, that he would have retreated and found a simpler way because he was man, my friends. Don't let the enemy fool you that he was the son of God so he wasn't feeling anything. He was man. 
You know, sometimes the enemy gives us these contorted ideas. Sometimes when we read the word that this is, oh, they had insight. They were special. No, Jesus was man. He felt every pain like you and I when we go through this. There were different voices that must have been that were telling him, there's an easier way, my brother. No, find another way. There's an easier way. You don't have to go to the cross. But Jesus went to that cross boldly for us. I don't know if, if I was facing that, if, if I would have found another way. My flesh would have told me otherwise that I should, I should find somewhere else. There's an easier way. I would have even, I suppose, pumped myself up and said, I am a child of God. God will understand. I have come to realize Jesus' strength came from knowing his father. His voice, his nature, and the father's thoughts towards him. Important. His father was someone who had his back. Isaiah 46 verse 4 says, I hear your word eternally spoken now to me. I am he who will sustain you. I will make you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and rescue you. But these words only become powerful if they rest in your spirit. And you believe what the Father is saying to you. This yielding only comes when you have a relationship with God. It becomes rhema. You believe it. Everything it says you believe and it gives you strength. Jesus knew his Father had promised him that on the third day he will raise him from the dead. That knowledge and trust in what the father had said to him sustained him and strengthened him to face what was ahead of him. His father cared enough to let the son know what was to come. Just like the spirit of God will beckon you to yield to the father when your strength is gone. If you allow his word to be truth to you. You know, we say the word so many times, God is my healer. God is my provider. But how many of us allow it to deep go deep within the recesses of us that we believe it even if before us we cannot see it? That is why when it comes to us, and we are in trouble. Our first port of call is not the Father because it's just words. It's just words. It's, it's, it's things that we, we reel off our mouth because we are Christians. And those who are not, I say to you, there is a God. Today, I hope that you find him. What am I saying, my friends? When this question comes to you, does anyone care? Rise up in your spirit and say, yes, my father cares. 
This is your first step to victory. For you have verbalized the truth to your spirit. Say it with authority and conviction. You are a child of the living God, my friends. He has given you all the tools that you need to stand. Say it with conviction. Don't let the voices in your head say to you it's otherwise. Say it with conviction that your spirit will know I am in charge. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. When you turn to your father with the answer to the question that he cares, he will allow you through his spirit to know his thoughts to strengthen you. And as you say them and you say it with conviction, the other voices will know that you mean business. It's when you don't stand in conviction that the other voices has a chance to come and say, Adiza, do you truly believe what you are saying? When you come to the place and ask the question, does anyone care? You are in a valley of despair. This question, though simple on the surface, is loaded with emotions. And how you answer it, my friends, will project the result you will get. Many a times our father is not our first answer. Like the prodigal son, he had to get down in the gutter before he remembered, in my father's house, even the servants are treated better than I am facing now. Jesus in Gethsemane had only one thing on his mind. Not my will, but thine be done. He drew strength from knowing that God was with him and would guide him. And even though there might have been the despair in his heart that drew blood from him, he still knew what his father had told him. I will raise you on the third day. Friends, when you, you have asked this question, does anyone care? Believe me, I have asked this question many times in my life. As I have grown to understand that the answer should always be yes, my father cares. I have not always got direct instruction on the way forward, even though I am going through this pain. But I have come to realize that when I have asked this question, I have felt sometimes a peace within me. The situation hasn't changed. But I have felt a peace and an assurance with me that, that says to me, Adisa, sit still. Sit still. Sit still. You don't, you, you don't know what is ahead, but sit still. The situation hasn't changed, but it's the feeling of stillness that calms my spirit to allow me to say to the voices that are in my head, get thee behind me, Satan. The situation hasn't changed, my friends. 
sometimes the answer comes from a telephone call all of a sudden from someone. And I think to myself, when I've finished the conversation, I look at the phone, I look around me and I think, Father, don't play tricks on me. Because he's answered me through a conversation. You know, don't box your father in when you get to the place where you are in despair. Thank you, my sister. It comes from different places. I might be saying something to you now that, my friend, some of you haven't experienced. You say, this woman is weird. But today, I don't care what you think of me. I am glorifying my father for how far he has brought me. You know, sometimes you might, he might even take you to a word. You're playing with your Bible and he takes you exactly to where, or what you need for that time. And strength comes. For those of us that our voices are so-so, he might even start bubbling a word, a song inside of you, and you start singing and basking in his presence. The situation hasn't changed, but he is charging you to be able to face that which is before you. He gives you that charge that brings you clarity in your mind. He breaks away the voices and clarity comes to you even though the situation has not changed, my friends. But he gives you a peace within you that you look at something and say, oh, I didn't know that. It's the answer, my friends. But when you come to despair, the voices come and give you such confusion that you start doing things that you shouldn't be doing. But if your answer is, yes, someone cares, and you go back, he to he who created you, he will give you an answer, my friends. It might not be, my child, here I am. Listen to me. It is in the simple things of life. I remember once he even took me to an experience before. I'm in trouble. Why take me back? We are here. Father, we are here. This is what I'm facing now. Don't take me back. You know, he's giving me stories of something that has happened to me before. And I don't have the patience to listen because as far as I'm concerned where I am now, I don't need to hear that story, my father. Give me something new. But you know, in the stillness of my arrogance of thinking, how dare you give me that story, my father? Because we've been there before. He's only reminding me of what happened then and how I came through to give me the strength to take the next step forward. But I am so arrogant to say, I've been there. What new can you teach me in what you are saying, my Lord? My friends, last year sometime I decided, right, it was time to go home to Ghana. That was my thought. But as I said to you, I'm, I, am, I am learning that I must, even in my thoughts, even though sometimes I feel that I, I know what I'm doing. I'm in charge. 
I'm learning to go back to the one that created me and say, Lord, this is how I am feeling. I want to go home because I think I will be better off at home. I will have a, a large network of family. But not my will, thine be done. Lead me. If this is your will, then so be it. I will do it. If not, I will take the cold as it is. And one day, I was sitting there and it just came to me. Adiza put the house on the market. You know, when you've lived somewhere for about 20 years, when someone says that to you, you think to yourself, are you, uh, are you mad? Yes, I wanted to go to Ghana, but there are lots of little things that you take for granted that have to be done before that process can move on. So when I heard in my spirit, put the house on the market, you know, attachment came to me. Put the house on the market. Are you, are you for real? But you say to yourself, and you say, if you don't put the house on the market, how are you going to go to Ghana? So, begrudgingly, I put the house on the market. But the, as you know, last year, it started where they were saying house prices were going down, there weren't buyers. And I'm thinking, my goodness, at this time, Adisa, you're deciding to put your house on the market? Oh, well, I had such a conviction inside of me, I decided, let me, let me do what I have to do. So I put the house on the market, and within four days, I got a buyer. So I went back to my father, you know, hey, Lord, you are good, oh. Look at what you've done. Four days, my house has gone. Okay, I'll start packing this, this house with all its mess. When I say I got a, a buyer, they put an offer in, and they put it at the asking price. Even though the market was saying different things, my father was faithful. But that's when my nightmare started. I think within a month, you get all the questions that they ask you about the house, blah, blah, and he put them through. I better hurry. And um, question came, I had put an extension on the house 20 years ago, and at the time they said to me that um, I only needed building control. So I had all the paperwork, and then the buyer solicitor came back and said, no, I want your building certificate. That took two months to get. I got uh, someone to help me, and he said, oh, it's been up for more than four years, so you have no problem. We got the certificate, and we sent it over. And then another question said, oh, you are in a conservation area, and therefore you need a co conservation permission. That I didn't have. So I went back to the council and said, could you give me that? They said, we've given you a building certificate. That is enough. The buyer's solicitor is saying, no, we want a, a conservation certificate. We are going back and forth, back and forth. The market is falling less buyers. I can see for sale in my area, which in previous years, if you see for sale within two, three weeks, the property is gone. I'm seeing them sitting there two, three months. And I'm thinking to myself, if I put this house back on the market, will I get a buyer? And I'm sure the price has gone down because the market has changed. Friends, what I did, mechanically, I'll say to you, because it was not me. After, we're now into month six of the sale. I took, picked up the phone and I said to the uh, agent, 
if the buyer isn't interested in my property anymore, put the house back on the market. And friends, this is from a place where you know and I know that the market has gone down, there aren't buyers. But you know what gave me the boldness? It is because my father said, had done it for me to have bought a buyer that within four days, I have sold my property at the asking price. I thought to myself, I said, he did it for me then, and he said to me, he is with me, I'm going, I, I am going to be bold enough and throw it back at them. But during this time, I'm going, does anyone care? I'm pulling out my hair because between the council, my solicitor, their solicitor, my agent that is helping me, everybody is going around in circles with emails flying and I'm just sitting there and thinking, what next? I've hit a brick wall. That's why I said to myself, my father showed me what he is capable of and what he has done for me. I am going to take the boldness as a child of God to throw it back. Friends, I wish I had done it two months before. Because as I threw it back, the buyer's agent came back and said, oh, we are ready to exchange. You know, I sat there and I said, Father, you know, you, you know how to laugh at me. But I'm saying to you, my friends, that is your father. You have to have a certain confidence and a certain trust in your father to be able when things are looking at you and you don't know where you're going, you can say to him, Lord, my God, you are able. You are more than able. And as I gave up the house, my father also took me to another place to live whilst I'm waiting to go home. And my friends, I must admit, he couldn't have taken me to a better place. Because he was teaching me how to appreciate the age that I am at and what is before me. He made me understand the value of old age. You know, sometimes you, well, I'll say it for myself, in my mind, I am still young. And there are certain things your body is saying to you, my friend, you are not young. Get to grips with it, my friend. So, you know, you don't think about the realities of going old because in your brain, that has not come to you. Reality has not hit you. So I would have been walking into this old age and seeing things for the first time and not knowing how to deal with it. But my father has enabled me to see ahead of myself and to appreciate that is the God that we serve and who cares for us. Friends, when I started this message, I pointed to who God is and his nature. I wanted to remind us why he should be your answer when you bring up the question, who cares? My friends, the Bible holds many secrets. Jesus himself spoke in parables. You know, unless the Spirit of God allows you into the secrets, you can read it as a book. And nothing will make sense to you.
But I also believe that everything that is written in that word is put there for a purpose, not by accident. This is another thing, my father, when we were going through, does anyone care? He took me to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3, where it talks about the fourth man. I sincerely, I won't say sincerely, I got a checking in my spirit when I read this again, when I was going through, does anyone care? The fourth man. I believe that the fourth man was put in that word so that we who are doubting Thomases will know that there is an invisible world That the fourth man, my friends, is right beside you. Unless, you. unless you don't want him there, he is there. You know, sometimes we have to, as Thomas, we have to feel and see. So I believe when our father put this in his word, he wanted for us who are doubting Thomases to know he, he is there. He is there right beside us. The word says to us, pray without ceasing. My friends, it's not by chance. Because praying without ceasing doesn't mean that you have to go on your knees and be eloquent and have a long prayer. No. Pray without ceasing is as you walk, talk to him. Tell him about your day, how it's going. And as you walk with him because, in a sense, you haven't sort of like gone on your knees. I'm sorry to say this, but sometimes for me, you know, sometimes when you go on your knees and you're praying, you're talking, but you are not in a place where you can receive. You're just talking because it has become mechanical to you that at this time I must pray. This time I must sing. So you go down on your knees and you're talking to your father, but there, there is no communication really it's you yapping and when he's talking to you because you are doing it mechanically there is no impact into your spirit but you know when you are walking with him and talking you are conscious that you are doing it so because you are conscious when he speaks to you you hear because it takes you out of the ordinary and as you do this day by day, you start getting an understanding of that familiar voice. And this is where your strength comes when you are crying. Does anyone care? That familiar voice, you know. But if you are someone who dedicates from seven to eight, I'll pray. And that's how you end your prayer for the day until the evening which my friends, I stand and say, I used to do that because that is how I was taught in Christendom. You know, when we say it's fellowship, my friends, you grow in your understanding of God. And it's a relationship that you understand and only you understand. Some of the things I might be saying today, some people might be looking at me and say, uh-uh, this one, I think now we put, have to put her in a straight jacket. Because some of the things she's saying haven't experienced it in my life. But I'm saying to you, 
take yourselves out of what you have been taught and go back to your father and say, my father and my Lord, my creator, teach me to fellowship with you. Teach me to fellowship with you. I have my understanding, yes. But now I have come to realize that you created me, therefore, I must come to a place to understand that we have fellowship. I am submitting myself for you to teach me how to fellowship with you. Friends, go back. Go back. Go back to the beginning when your father brought you into salvation and nothing else mattered to you but you and him. Go back and find out, Father, how do I fellowship with you? That this word will become alive to me and I just don't read it for the sake of reading. But I can get the secrets that will move me into a place where my spirit talks. My friends, I come to encourage you today. I come to encourage you and say, does anyone care? Let your answer be yes. My father cares. Not any other person. Let that be your first reaction when you are in the valley of despair. Nobody else. My father cares. You know, patience, the fruit of patience is blessing. Because in patience, you draw what your father has for you. My friends, that is all I have to say today. And I say to you, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. That is who you are. Who you are. Waymaker, promise keeper, light.